Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Tuesday, November the 28th. And welcome to our commentary. I, I have to begin. I don't know if you had a chance today to see. I saw bits and pieces of it, not the whole thing. But uh, today there was a funeral, I guess, service uh, for the late First Lady Rosalind Carter. And it was down in Atlanta, Georgia at Emory University or nearby Emory University. That's where they have the Carter Center, of course. Both uh, the President Carter and his wife had been active um, activities re regarding the Carter Center. But I mentioned this because this was the first time that I had seen President Carter in, you know, out of his house because he's been in hospice, I think, for five or six months. And uh, I had a chance to see him for the first time. Obviously, he looks like, uh, you know, he looks like a man who's not uh, doing well. But I give him a lot of credit for showing up uh, at his wife's funeral. They had a great relationship. Let's put politics aside for a second. Uh, President and Mrs. Carter were an absolutely incredible marriage. Uh, I think they were married for over 75 years, which is a pretty incredible number. And they were just a great marriage. They were just a great couple. And um, obviously, President Carter himself uh, is probably not going to last uh, too much longer. But I was kind of hoping he make it to next year because he will be 100 next year. And it would love it'd be great to see a former president make it to 100. I don't think we've had any former president uh, make it to 100. So that would be that would be kind of nice to see. So our prayers with President Carter and uh, with his family. And we hope that President Carter, you know, continues uh, to uh, go through all this very difficult time in his life, not just his own personal health issues, but the death of his, you know, his, his partner. I mean, the, the woman in his life. And that's Rosalind Carter. I remember when they first came up. I remember when they first came up, when he first ran for president. I remember the two of them. And as I say, they were always a great couple. They were always a great couple. When they first came up, it was kind of interesting because they both had a very strong Georgia accent, both of them. And that was a bit unusual back at that time. I'm talking, you know, mid-70s uh, when he ran for president in 76. But he actually started running before in 75. I remember seeing him in some television shows. And they had that very strong accent, uh, something that, you know, we were not used to, I guess, uh, because we hadn't had any anybody in the White House, uh, maybe Lyndon Johnson, but I don't remember a lot about him. Uh, but certainly President Carter, uh, during the campaign especially, had a very strong uh, Southern accent. And it was really, it was really uh, interesting back then. So again, we wish uh, the former president the best as he, you know, as he deals with the loss of his wife and also uh, his own health issues uh, that he's dealing with. Well, the big story today, of course, is that there were more hostages released. And again, there were no Americans released. Now, look, I, I, I know it's easy to politicize these things and turn them into political uh, arguments, but this is now the third or fourth day that they have released uh, hostages and there are no Americans. There was one little girl, I guess, four-year-old girl, who was released, uh, who's an American citizen, but everybody else, uh, for some crazy reason, the Americans are not coming out. Now, I don't know if the Americans are all in one place or if this is part of the strategy. I don't know. I um, I want to give the benefit of the doubt here to the Biden administration, hope they're doing all the right things. But at some point, you got to send the message to, to Hamas that we want to see some Americans out and we want to see them very soon.
But I, you know, again, I don't trust Hamas. So I, you know, I always have to be very skeptical about everything they do because there's always an ulterior motive here. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case again. But we want to see some Americans released. And I think the Biden administration needs to make it very clear to uh, to Hamas that, uh, hey, you know, we want to see some Americans released. Uh, not everybody else. We want to see some Americans released uh, as well. Actually, I think the Biden administration should put more pressure on Hamas saying, you know, get them out first and then we'll we'll talk about a ceasefire later. But a very, very bad situation when you see these people coming out and they're going into ambulances and you hear some of the stories, it just makes you angry. It just makes you very angry that uh, the world has to live through this and that these people, all of them are innocent people. Some of them are teenagers. Some of them are children. Uh, and they have to live through through this. I mean, just an absolute disgrace, uh, the behavior of Hamas on October the 7th. I want to direct you to a post that I have over at the, at the American Thinker. And it's a post about the city of New York and the police force. If you've been uh, following the news, you know that uh, the situation in New York has been chaotic. It's been chaotic, frankly, in most of our cities, unfortunately. Our cities run by the Democrat Party are going through a great deal of chaos, disorder, and turbulence, and of course, crime. And in many cases, it's all directed or coming from these district attorneys who are letting people off, you know, rather than locking people up, they just let them off and they make all kinds of excuses for them. Well, the consequences are beginning to be felt in New York City where more and more police officers are actually leaving the force. Now, New York City has a huge police force, I think something like over 35,000 police officers. Uh, So they have a lot of officers, but they're having a very difficult time attracting new ones. And you need to do that. you got to have police officers coming in constantly because obviously uh, there are others who retire or who leave the force, but retire generally was the reason in the past. But now you're having these losses. And of course, you're losing police officers who are experienced police officers. And the new ones you bring in, it takes a while to train a police officer. It's a difficult job to do being a police officer. And it uh, that experience is extremely valuable when you put police on the streets. The experience of having gone through uh, what they go through as a police officer. And those are the ones they're losing. They're losing the experienced the ones who can mentor some of the young ones, for example. Those are the ones they're losing. And I don't know. I don't know how they're going to replace them because I don't think it's – I mean, I I point this out in my article that I don't think this is about uh, money or benefits. I mean, there's always an issue, I guess, about salary or benefits, but they've got good benefits uh, in the police department in New York. Uh, Yeah, they make a decent salary. I don't know exactly what they make, but, you know, they're well-paid. And uh, you can do well as a police officer in New York. But the one thing that they do not have is the support of the political class. Because the political class has decided to turn the police officer into a villain and the criminal into a victim. And that kind of, uh, you know, that kind of, you know, treatment of your police force, where they are the ones who are always to blame for everything, it's always the policeman's fault. Eventually, that's going to drive a lot of police officers out of your force, which is what's happening in New York. It's also happening, by the way. We just don't hear much about it. It's also happening in Baltimore. It's happening in Washington, D.C. It's happening in Philadelphia. 
It's happening in Seattle. It's happening in Minneapolis. And what do these cities have in common? They're run by Democrats, and but not just Democrats, but you know what I would call more extreme left-wing Democrats who basically seem to be running many of these cities. And they're running the cities to the ground. Again, all you have to do is look at these once great cities, Seattle, Minneapolis, used to be great cities, and look at them now. Chicago used to be one of the most elegant cities in the world. San Francisco, what you know, what better evidence of how the Democrats have destroyed a city than, than San Francisco? So police officers are quitting the force in New York and lots of other places. And uh, I guess sooner or later, the, the elected class is going to have to figure out that, you know, we cannot continue to demonize police officers this way and expect people to join the force. It just isn't going to happen. It just isn't going to happen. So let's hope that uh, they elect uh, smarter people to the, to the force. And let's hope that uh, better people join the force and, and, and better people, um, not better people join the force, that better people are elected so that the good people who are working as police officers uh, can continue to uh, to do their job. Because right now, they're not allowed to do their jobs, and that's taking a toll, as I say, on most of these uh, most of these cities. Well, there's an amazing story. You know how in uh, these business schools, they will often present a study of great business stories, like they'll present to you a great business story of how a company was formed and the strategy that they followed to become a great company? Well, I think one of these schools is going to have a, a, a special class one day on how to destroy a company. And uh, they will use Disney as an example of how to destroy a company. Disney, of course, one of the great stories in American history, one of the great stories of entertainment in, the, in American history, uh, whether it's uh, the great movies they made, the great shows. I mean, all of us remember the wonderful world of Disney on Sunday nights. I remember that. And all the great movies they made. I watched them. My son's watching them. Well, Disney right now is in trouble. And uh, yesterday they admitted what the problem was. I guess they sent out a letter. I'm not sure if to the shareholders or to the board of directors. They sent out a letter. They, they sent out a, a letter. And they basically said that uh, their problem their problem is that somehow they were not making movies that people wanted to watch. That's not exactly how they said it, but that's what they're saying. That somehow there was a, uh, uh, you know, they're making movies that nobody wants, wants to watch and they're taking a bath in these movies. Well, that's what happens. You know, when you take a great story like Snow White and you turn it into something else, you know, where the the story is no longer about Snow White, but some great social justice accomplishment or some preaching of this value of that value then what you end up doing is you turn up you end up turning off your customers because nobody goes to see a, a disney movie to get lectured on politics i guarantee you i never did when we took our sons we never did and uh, i'm sure that's the case with many parents across the country today so disney decided decided to get into the business of preaching about politics and Americans are saying, no, we don't want that. Thumbs down. We don't want that. So we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm amazed that the shareholders have put up with all of this. Because the shareholders, after all, they're the ones putting up their money to finance all of this. But, but it's amazing how Disney has destroyed itself.
because they were taken over by all these woke people who seem to think that uh, their mission in life is to stop the world from climate change or racism or whatever, whatever the issue of the week is. And they forget that their real mission is to make entertaining movies that parents want to take their kids to. That's what Disney, that's what made Disney great. And the absence of those movies is what's destroying, destroying with Disney. So amazing, amazing story. The story of Disney, how they just took the wrong turn and now they're, they're, uh, they're paying. Hopefully they've learned their lesson and go back to making great movies like they always have. Well, thank you for listening. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, and uh, we will talk to you later. Have a wonderful day. It's a little nice here today, a little, a little warmer today here in North Texas than it was uh, yesterday, but it's sunny and beautiful. That much I can, I can confirm. Bye-bye, everybody. <laughs>